Folks, one of the things I've realised as I've been in ministry, nobody sails through life without a bunch of challenges. Nobody gets off scot-free. We all have issues. Every one of us. We all have challenges. We have problems. <laughs> Disappointments. What we thought was going to happen doesn't happen and we get disappointed about that. But one of the biggest causes of hurt in our lives is rejection. And we all face it at times. Rejection from parents can be. It can be rejection from a partner. He says, I don't want you anymore. It can be rejection from your progeny, your kids. I don't want anything to do with you, Dad. Or mum. It can be an ex-spouse or a so-called friend who just rejects you. See, some of you here today even remember things that were said to you when you were very young. And yet, they stick with you for decades, those things. So far in this series, because we're talking about grace, we've looked at saving grace, we've looked at guilt and sin, and we've also looked at sustaining grace. And today I want to look at how God's healing grace, how His healing grace heals the hidden wounds in your life and mine and that of our friends and children. Because the Bible says, the very first get-go verse on your outline, look at this verse. God heals the brokenhearted. And he binds up their wounds, those things that were painful, that maybe still are painful in your life. That's what our God is like. He binds up the wounds and he heals the brokenhearted. And some of you say, well, that's great because about now I can sure use that because I've got a broken heart. I've been so disappointed. I've got wounds that need to be healed. So how does God heal these hidden wounds? And the Bible tells us, as we've talked about in other series, but again, I want to come back to that before we move into this today, that God changes us by transforming our minds. He says, the Bible says, let God, let God transform, change. Let God change your mind. Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Fairly soon, again, many of you are going to get the new iOS 9 upgrade. And it's going to change the way your phone behaves. Your phone will not behave differently unless you change the operating system, unless you change the program inside. And that's exactly what God's saying here. Be changed, be transformed into a new person by changing the way that you think. The Bible says also, as a man thinketh, that's a very old word, that's from the King James, you can tell how long I've been around. <laughs> as a man thinketh, so shall he be. So if you see yourself today as a loser, somebody always loses, you're going to tend to fulfil that prophecy and you're going to typically see those fruits in your life of a loser. If you see yourself as a victim, you're going to end up and tend to put yourself in situations where you're going to be repeatedly victimised and used if you see yourself that way. And if you see yourself as a failure, you're going to tend to reinforce that 
what you feel about yourself and you're going to fail. It seems like all the time, there you go again, there you go again. That voice in your head is telling you that. Now the Bible says this, be real clear about this, your beliefs affect your behaviours. Your beliefs affect your behaviours. So the way we think determines the way we act. Now, not long ago, I was at Motat. Anybody been to Motat recently? Do you, have any of you seen those mirrors that are there? Those weird mirrors? Anybody seen those? Where they have those kind of the warped and when you look at the, look at your reflection in them, you look super fat or super, I like the one that makes you look super tall. <laughs> or super, or different shape, like a, it just distorts the image of you. It gives you a distorted picture of yourself. Now, if you look at a distorted mirror, you are going to get a distorted image of yourself. The Bible says actually, the Word of God is a mirror and it reflects a true reality, but the world reflects a distorted reality of who you are and who I am. Growing up, adults and other seemingly influential people in your life were mirrors, acted like mirrors in your life. And you tended to accept what they told you as the truth. Now, if they said things like, well, you're never going to amount to anything, you fold it away and you kind of tended to believe that. Or you're dumb. Or you're uncoordinated. You're hollows. Today, though, I want to take a fresh look, brand new look, a fresh look at what God says about you. Because He always tells the truth. He tells the truth. So what I want you to do is I want you to discard what the world says and listen to what God through His Word says about you and put this in as a new operating system in your head and in your heart. What God says will help you see Him in a new light and it will help you see you in a new light today. So we can look at those things that God says about you, five things that are true because of His grace. Back to grace. And if you grasp these five truths, this could be an absolute life-changing day and it can change you radically and free you from some of those hurts and wounds that you've been holding on to in your life. So, five things, the truth that God says, God never lies, these are facts. You can take them to the bank, the heavenly bank. Here's the first one, that God says, because of His grace. He says, because of my grace, you and I are accepted or acceptable to Him. And that is fantastic because many of us, you and I spend a lot of our lives trying to be accepted by other people. We want to be accepted by our parents and our peers and our business partners. That's what we want. And even people we don't even know sometimes, total strangers, we still want to be accepted by them. And most of us don't realise that this drive to be accepted is behind many of the things we do in life. And it can influence the way that you dress, the type of car that you drive, or the type of house that you live in. Your desire to influence and, and, and look impress others, can even determine your choice of career. 
and many other things just to feel accepted by somebody else. Now remember as a kid, when you dared to do something really stupid, you were dared to. I dare you. I dare you, Stefan. And you, you did it. So did I. <laughs> Why did we do that? And we knew it was dumb. Really dumb. But why did we do that? Because we wanted to fit in with the crowd or be accepted by that person and fit in. On the other hand, some of you have got this other kind of mentality which God's Word talks about. And it's that kind of mentality, well, if I was perfect, then people would love me and accept me. They'd like me. But I'm sorry to tell you that won't work either. Because the Bible says very, very clearly that Jesus was perfect. He never sinned in anything. And yet he was despised and rejected by his followers and his own people. The good news is that Jesus tells us this issue was settled when we accept his grace. Here's a, here's a verse, Romans 15, 7. That's, this is the truth. The Bible says this in Romans 15, 7. Christ has accepted you. That is the truth. He has accepted you. Circle accepted. There is no condition on that. It doesn't say, well, Christ will accept you if you do your Bible study every day. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say Christ will accept you if you promise to go to church every week. It doesn't say that Christ accepts you if you promise to be perfect and never sin again. It doesn't say that. You see, I have had four children. And before I had four children, I kind of had an idea already that my children were going to do things I didn't like. But I still had them anyway. I still had them. It didn't stop me even knowing that they were not going to be perfect. So, accepted. It doesn't say if you keep the, every one of the Ten Commandments always, then you'll be accepted. No, it's unconditional because God's acceptance to, of you is based on His character not on your performance. Because my performance is suboptimal and probably yours is too. Many of you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and life and you've stepped across that line and you've asked God to bring you into his family and you have accepted Christ. But have you ever really realised that Christ has accepted you? Some of you need to give yourselves a big hug because God loves you and he likes you. You've heard that he loves you, but do you know that he likes you, that he's accepted you? God accepts you just as you are without any conditions, without any conditions because of his grace. The Bible says this, God has chosen you here. He says, you have been chosen by God himself. He said, I want you, Oliver, I want you. I want you because of his grace. Now being chosen, can you remember at school when they used to line you up and divide, uh, they yank out two team leaders and say, now choose, you can choose, you can choose and then the other captain can choose and you can choose. What happened when you were chosen? <laughs> you felt very good, right? You didn't want to be last. <laughs> But you felt very good when you were chosen. Being chosen does wonderful things for your self-esteem because you were wanted. One day I was chosen by my wife, Kimberly Buckley. 
And I was very happy. You wouldn't believe the competition I had to fight off. But I was very happy. The Bible says you were chosen by God. He said, I want you. This, I want you. And you are acceptable by His grace, not because you deserve it, but because of His grace towards you. Now, some of you in this room today grew up with unpleasable parents. No matter what you did, it was never good enough. Now, let me be honest with you. If you didn't get your parents' approval back there and your acceptance as a child, you may never get it. But that's their problem. It's not yours. Let me say something even more important. You don't need it. You don't need their approval to be happy in life. If God accepts you and they don't, they've got the problem, not you. Here's what the Bible says. Even, and this was important, a life verse to me. Even if my father rejects me, the Lord will receive me. The boss says, even if my mother, maybe it's your mother in your case. God says, I accept you. If God accepts me and you don't, that's your problem. But God doesn't just leave it there. He says, this is another truth. He says, you are very, very valuable to me. I'm valuable because of His grace. I'm valuable, I'm worth something. I'm not talking about your net worth. Your network and your self-worth have nothing to do with each other. Your value has no relationship to your valuables. The Bible says that a man's life does not consist of his possessions. You need to take that and you just snip it into two. It doesn't correlate. Nothing at all. That's the world's values. Don't let that wash over you. Cut that tie between net worth and self-worth. The Bible says you are valuable because in John uh, 4.4, it says, it says you belong to God. You belong to Him, you're valuable. You see, everybody's created by God, but everybody doesn't choose to belong to His family. Only those who belong to God are those who choose to say, God, you put me in your family and because of my faith in Christ. Now, if you've done that, you belong to God. That means that you are priceless. You are valuable. If I held up a piece of art here and said, what's that worth? How valuable is this piece of art? It's worth is obvious. It's what anybody will pay for that. How much was paid for you? 1 Corinthians 7 gives you that answer. You have been bought and paid for by Christ. In other words, his own life he gave for you, so you belong to him. That the greatest ransom ever paid was when Jesus Christ paid for your sins and you were bought with a price. And God said, you are so valuable to me that I will give my own son to die for you. That's how valuable you are. Now, if you want to know how valuable you are, you just look at the cross and Jesus with outstretched arms says, this is how much you matter to me. And when people say to you, you're worthless and you don't amount to much, they are flat wrong. They are lying. That's a strong word. But it's 
meant to be strong. Their opinion is seriously fractured and flawed and distorted, just like those mirrors. Because God's truth is one that reflects accurately. His word reflects the facts accurately. Isaiah 43, 4 says, You are precious to me. Precious. I like that word. Circle precious. You're not only acceptable. You're precious. You are valuable. You have high worth to God. Nothing to do with your self-worth. Try again. Your net worth. Because of God's grace. Number three. The Bible also tells us that because of God's healing grace, I am lovable. Now that one sure feels good, especially if you are in the situation right now with a broken heart. When somebody that you thought loved you doesn't love you anymore. Maybe a girlfriend, a boyfriend or a husband or a wife or a parent, whatever. You don't feel lovable. And you've got that thing, well, nobody loves me and nobody wants me. If you come to that point, listen to the truth of God's word on that issue. The Bible says this, the mountains may crumble, but my love for you will never end. So says the Lord who loves you. It's going to take a long time for those mountains to crumble. But he says, that's nothing compared to my love for you. So God's love will never end. It's enduring. It's not fickle and fractured. Now, God's love also has two major characteristics I just want to quickly touch on that makes God's love very different to our human love. These are a couple of characteristics. Number one, God's love is consistent. Consistent. It's never going to end and it's not variable. Like my internet, up and down. God doesn't change his mind. He's not a man that he would change. There's no shadow of turning. Oh, I made a mistake there. The all-knowing creator of our universe does not make mistakes. He is perfect. He doesn't have to, whoops, rub it out, do it again. God's love is not fickle. He does not change his mind saying, well, I like you today. I'm not so sure about tomorrow. Doesn't change, not like our love. So I want to focus on God's love because we're very familiar with this one. But we need to take a fresh look at God's love. Most of us have experienced the inconsistency of human love. Fickle love because we live with human beings, but God says, My love will never end. What a difference for you! It'll never end for you. Secondly, God's love is unconditional, it's not based on how you kind of measure up. As human beings, all of us grow up with conditional love, and so we give that to others. For example, when you say, I love you if you love me, that's conditional. I love you if you meet my needs, then I love you. If you don't, well, I'm not so hot on that idea. Now, when people stop meeting those needs, what happens? I'll tell you what happens. People divorce and people abandon each other. 
That's what happens. Or when you say, I love you because, that's a conditional love too. I love you because you make me feel good. What happens when you don't feel so good? I love you because you're beautiful. Oh yeah, what happens when they lose their beauty? (laughs) That is conditional love. I love you because you're just so talented. What happens tomorrow if you meet somebody with more talent? Do you leave them and go for someone else? That is conditional love. But God says, on the other hand, hold on, hold on, I love you, period. No conditions, no qualifiers, just because of my grace to you. You don't ever have to ask, I wonder if God's going to love me tomorrow or next week. You never have to ask, well, did I pray enough? Did I do enough of the right things? Is God going to love me now more because I did this? His love is not conditioned on your performance. That's grace. Now God says in Christ, I am acceptable, I am valuable, and I am lovable. But there's more than that because the Bible says that because of His grace, and this is a big one, I am forgivable. And this is a good one because I need this a lot. And probably so do you. I blow it, I make mistakes, but thank God I'm forgivable. And I think this is important today that we spend just a few moments on this because a lot of people seem to think that when anything goes wrong in their life, they think, well, well, that's God getting evil on me. That is absolutely not the case. Whip whip that out, trash can it and empty the trash can. That is stinking thinking. It's not good thinking. He knows I did that stupid thing, but does God really act like that towards his children? Never, ever. The Bible says this, Isaiah 43, 25. I am the God who forgives your sins. And I do it because you deserve it. Does it say that? No, that's not what it says at all. I do this because of, what does it say? Of who I am. You may want to circle that. It is not based on you deserving it. It's based on God forgiving you. He says, I will not hold your sins against you. Wow. You may want to write down next to that verse a simple summary. God does not carry grudges. If you have received the grace of Jesus Christ and made him number one in your, notice I say that, number one in your life. Number one. He says, I'm not going to hold your sins against you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God doesn't rehearse it. He releases it. God says, I'll wipe it out. When you come to Christ, you are forgiven completely. Ephesians 1 and 4 says this. This is what the truth of God says. Through what Christ would do for us, 
God decided to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault. I can't get there on my own. No way can I do that without a single fault. But God, in his grace, decided to make us holy without a single fault. We stand before him covered by his love. How amazing is that verse? What a verse. Did you know before you were even born, God knew everything you were going to do, the good and the bad, yet he still made you and he still loves you and he still cares for you. He knew it. He's a gracious God. Now, if Jesus paid the punishment for your sins, you do not have to pay for it yourself. God doesn't take payment twice. It's done. But the Bible says this, be careful. There is going to be a judgment for those who refuse to accept the grace of God. For those who reject God's offer and say, nah, I'm going to try and do this on my own. I'm going to trust in my own goodness, my own righteousness. But when you say, Jesus Christ, I accept what you did for me on the cross. And I want you to be number one in my life and to be covered with your love, as that verse is. The Bible tells us that we get to skip That part of the judgment for sin, that's called the great white throne. One day we'll do a message on that. We get to skip that part. So right now you can take a deep breath and let it out and thank God that you're not going to be judged on that judgment day before the great white throne for sin. That in itself will be reason enough to become a believer in Christ if there weren't anything else. Although I do want to point out, remember this. Here's the second part of that to get the complete picture. All Christians will still be judged by Christ by how they lived the life here on earth. And we will give an account of that. If you want to have a look, just write by in your outline by the side, Matthew 25. And go look at that in your own time. So God says, I'm not only acceptable and valuable and lovable, I'm forgivable. And then fifth, God says, with Christ in my life, I am capable. Doesn't matter if what other people say. Yeah, you'll never amount to anything. The Bible says, with Christ, I am capable. And here's a truth over this side, the new operating system that God says. In Philippians 4.13, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. And by the way, this verse is talking about to do his will. This is not to go out and make a million dollars in the health, wealth and prosperity, tootsie wootsie. I have the strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Now we often see regular articles, I seem to read them all the time, in New Zealand, bemoaning the epidemic of low self-esteem in our Kiwi culture. And that's no wonder. If you look at the way we live, we try to live without God in our lives and we try to be our own God. And we do whatever we want, whether it's right or wrong. 
And any time you put anything else apart from God as number one in your life, you are going to be plagued with insecurity. For genuine security, you have to have something that's at the very foundation of your life, that's number one, ground zero as it were, the very base of it, that cannot be shaken, that cannot be taken away from you. Now, if you base your security on how much money you make or how much money you've got, that can be taken away from you. Don't believe me? You just watch what happens when you get divorced. And you make a dumb business decision. You can undo a whole life's worth of really good decisions with one stupid decision. If you base your security on your status, well, I'm this or I'm that or I've got that or whatever, that can be taken away. Or how good looking you are. I hate to tell you this, but it's possible to lose your good looks. (laughs) If you base your security, listen carefully, even on your husband or your children or anything else in life except Christ, you can lose the lot. You must have security in something that can never be taken away from you. And there's only one thing that fits that bill. And that's a relationship with your creator God to his son Jesus Christ and the blessed Holy Spirit. They can never be taken away from you. Then if you lose everything else, if you lose that spouse or your health, you still have an inner security and the foundation of your life is still intact. You see, I've met a lot of successful people in my life, but I've noticed even among highly successful people is this gnawing insecurity that I'm still not making it, just a little bit more. And there's still, it keeps gnawing on them. You know, you've got it. If you live in this area, in East Auckland, you have got it made by the world's standards. You're in the top 5% of the world living where you live. You've got a house, you've got a car, family job. Yet I meet many people who still feel very insecure. See, the Bible says godliness with contentment is of great gain. This second word here, contentment. Godliness with contentment is of great gain. See, people in this area that still feel insecure, the reason why they feel insecure is they're putting the security in the wrong things. First reason. And secondly, they can still feel insecure because they've still got that old stinking thinking in their head, those things that people told them years ago that still drive them on to keep going that direction. They're still listening to voices that in their heads that says, you're never going to amount to much. Oh, I'm going to show them, they think. You're not very smart. Well, I'll show them. Your uncle will and on and on. How do you reverse a curse like that? When somebody says something to you that's stuck with you all of your life, it reverberates in your head round and round. How do you reverse that? By listening to God's truth. By filling your mind with what God says about you. Chucking out the distorted mirrors, looking at yourself through the mirror of the Word of God, which accurately reflects and being in there regularly. There is nothing I can share with you that will more transform your life than constant engagement with the Word of God, open to the Spirit of God, changing and transforming your mind. If you don't do that, you'll be staring at distorted mirrors for the rest of your life, feeling, and your emotions will be all over the map. The way to get solid is God's Word, which never changes. 
What a blessed inheritance we have in Him. See, there's a scale in your mind and you've heard all these negative things about yourself all the time. But you've got to start putting pebbles on the other side, which tells you what God says about you on the other side. The more you put in God's truth, eventually, pretty soon the scales are going to get balanced. They're going to tip in favour of truth and the depression will slide off. And the hurt and the pain and the scars will be healed and removed. The Bible says here in 1 Peter 2.10, once you are less than nothing, now you are God's very own. Wow. And when you fill your mind with this truth, then Romans 15 will be true in your life. I love this verse. May the God of hope fill you with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit, your whole life and outlook. May be radiant with hope. And God says to you today, I want to change your outlook. Your outlook is way down there. Look up to me, look at my grace. Look what I so freely given to you. God wants to fill your life with hope and your outlook with a radiance of hope. In Christ, you are worthwhile. This church family believes that wholeheartedly. And if you don't have a church home, we invite you to become a part of us and find healing and hope and an opportunity to let God's Word form in you a renewed mind, a new operating system. Because in this church, we hold the Word of God very highly. You can be healed of a broken and disappointed heart. Yes, you can. If you will open your life to the grace of God and the power of Jesus Christ and the infilling of His Holy Spirit and accept what He says about you and begin a relationship with Him. And then take the Word of God and begin to fill your mind with it. See, self-esteem is often attached to a person in your life, the most important person in your life. The most important person in my life is Jesus Christ. And because I know what he thinks about him, me, I feel encouraged. I feel encouraged. If I listen to all the other tut, I'd be discouraged, which is down that way. So I look at his word, and I, that's the gospel. So my homework for you this week you have homework. Yeah, come to church, get homework. Absolutely. You take out your outline and you put some of these points on some cards and you think and meditate on these points from God's Word this week. Don't listen to half the stuff that you listen to on talk radio is absolutely useless to building you up in the faith of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to last. Opinions will be no end of. Why not turn the radio off this week in the car and take some of these truths of God's Word and help them refresh and renew and wash your mind? So let me just say it one other way. I can tell you that studies have shown that self-esteem, your self-worth, tends to be defined by what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. If that is true, I want to suggest to you that you make Jesus Christ the most important person in your life because he says that you are lovable, that you are valuable, that you're acceptable, that you're forgivable and you are capable. And the bottom line is, who are you going to believe? The distorted mirrors or the Word of God? You can believe what other people say about you. 
which is not true, and it's imperfect, and it's distorted. Or you can hold your life up to the mirror of God's Word and His truth and say, this is what He says about you by His grace. And when you begin to see yourself as God really sees you, it will liberate you from the pain of rejection because it doesn't matter what anybody else says because God says you're acceptable, you're valuable, you're lovable, you're forgivable and you are capable. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, thank you that you heal broken hearted disappointment and you heal bitter memories. You, Father, are the great physician. Thank you that the old patterns can be erased and we can be rebooted in your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you turn nobodies into somebodies. And Jesus, I ask you today to touch hurting hearts with your healing grace, with your touch of love. Please save people today and help them see themselves through your eyes of love. Now, why don't you pray in your own mind? Why don't you just say something like, Dear God, I've never really understood this before, but I thank you that you have accepted me totally by your grace. Today, Jesus Christ, I accept you into my life. I want to know the purpose that I was made for and I want to fulfill it. I want to know you personally. Help me to see myself, not the way I've been seeing myself in the past, but Father, the way that you see me. Thank you that in your eyes I am forgivable because I need that forgiveness. Thank you that I am covered by your love because of what you did for me on that cross. And thank you that to you I'm acceptable, that I'm valuable enough to die for. that I'm lovable and I'm capable with your power to handle whatever comes my way in the future. As I walk this road with you, never to be alone again. As much as I know how, Jesus Christ, I invite you to control every area of my life. And I'm not gonna worry about what other people think, but I'm gonna focus on your truth about me. In the powerful name of our loving Saviour, Jesus Christ, I pray this. If you prayed that prayer today, I don't believe that God heard you. Would you let me know about that decision? And in just a few minutes on the back of the communication card, check the box and committing my life to Christ. I'd love to send you some information to help you with your decision. And then if you can just drop the offering, uh, the, the card in the offering bucket along with everybody else, that'd be fantastic. God bless you.